0: super wolf moon tonight right yeah super wolf yeah hi jerry nice to see you it's good to see you too robert
1: <laughs> <clears throat> i forgot to read your bio it's okay uh, <laughs> if you don't know who robert is no, I'm so kidding robert is joining us tonight to talk about the year ahead in 2020 Astrologically. robert's been studying the esoteric arts for over 30 years as a student of the late Karen Lundegard, he became a professional psychic and was part of the first psychic phone networks in the world. It's crazy. After conquering the offline world, he moved his focus to the web. In 2008, he started RobertPhoenix.com, where he decodes and unpacks contemporary culture through the use of intuitive gifts, tarot, and astrology. Aside from being a world-renowned astrologer, Robert also hosts a daily show called 15 Minutes of Point. We still do that.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Do one today. And yeah, the Friday podcast. I listened. And, and short- also
2: the one with Emily, the mashup.
0: Yeah, that's a great Atri- show. Patriots,
1: mashup. Yeah, Emily and I love that. And Robert provides a special blend of news, astrology, commentary, and esoteric correlations that reveal to you the true nature of your reality. It's great to have
0: you here, Robert. It is great to have you here. <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah. For real, literally. Literally, yeah. Literally. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and
0: thanks for having me. Oh yeah. it's our pleasure. You know, it was it was so it was so weird because um last time we kind of tabled this was um I guess I was headed to Nashville and I really, really wanted to to do the yeah. show. And it was I, I gotta tell you, man, I had this weird feeling about not doing that show. I was I was like you know, wow, am I ever going to do the show with, with these people again? <laughs> and and it wasn't like something was going to happen to you. That didn't, like, enter into my mind. But I was I was feeling, like, is this going to happen? Like, are they going to move on? Are they going to forget? I mean, is they going to get busy? But the, this idea that I may not do the show kind of crept into my head. It was very, very unusual. And, and the bottom line is I'm glad I'm doing the show. That's, yeah, that, that's interesting
2: yeah very interesting and of course i would expect that from you robert because you are tuned in to the energies and all that uh and and isn't i'm glad that it's that you're that this timeline's playing out let's put it that way
1: yeah it's
3: instead
2: much, of one where Jerry, much better timeline A.K. rick from rick and morty moved to another one
1: <laughs> c138 yeah <laughs>
0: So are, there, I, are they? <laughs> I have a, I have a get swifty shirt on, by the way. Are they? So wasn't there like a, a controversy with Rick and Morty around like some of the you know pedo stuff and, and didn't that come up or and it's still being made? Is is that? I mean, because I was a huge Rick and Morty person and then I kind of dropped off my radar for a while.
1: Uh, well, there was like a almost two year gap between seasons for one. But uh, there was some Dan Harmon noise, you know, during the whole Me Too thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I maybe mean, that was it.
1: Yeah, but it was, you know, it was noise. I don't think any mm-hmm. actual evidence came out, like for a lot of people who were accused.
0: Right. Um, no, clearly. I mean, there were a lot of names being batted around. Right. And um, and there's this, you know, one big whale. They got one big whale. <laughs> they did. So, <laughs>
1: Did you the see him? Did you see him on the news? He's like all fucked up on a walker and shit. He looks old and decrepit.
0: Yeah, some people think that 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 might be a bit of a ploy, like like uh, somebody who just got hit by a car puts a neck brace on. I mean, so but he could, but theoretically that could also be the case as well. Be, you know, he looks like a shadow of his former, absolutely, uh, lecherous self. You know, I mean, look, I I don't have. The the Weinstein thing is weird, and there's an astrological connection there, too, which we can talk about and bring astrology into this. Absolutely. But, um, you know, clearly, I mean, the guy was a, a world-class creep. Um, and yet, a number of these women uh, were very clear about what their intention was with him, which was, hey... You know, you asked me to do something and, you know, it's a pretty good chance I'll do it um, and I'm really looking forward to getting in one of your movies. And, I, and that discussion, you know, is really the dark underbelly of this and I'm not blaming these women, I'm not blaming, but, you know, there's a power exchange going on and kind of a mature, you know, conversation around this would include that, but of course, we just polarize and get shrill with everything astrologically uh, and I'm not making a case for wanting to see involved uh, astrologically, he's a 29 degree Pisces, which puts him right at the end of the zodiac. That's the last sign of the zodiac, and it feels very sacrificial. That last sign, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Rockefeller died on the final degree of the uh, of Pisces, the 29th degree, and it also happens to be Barron Trump's birthday. So it's a very unusual. Zodiacal degree it is the, it is the end of the zodiacal New year, and I have this weird theory about Harvey Weinstein and that he has to uh, he has to die in order for uh, the age of Aquarius to begin so, and a lot you know, there 's a lot of debate about when the age of Aquarius actually starts or started. Um, there are some people who believe that the Age of Aquarius uh, took place in October of 1962 when there are, I, th- I believe six planets all in the sign of Aquarius. Uh, I think it's uh, October 11th if I'm not mistaken 1962. That's it's called, that's called. generally also called the Antichrist birthday and um, uh, not so unusual. Uh, Axel Rose was born I think a day after that. Uh, not making any, you know, strong connection with Axel Rose and the Antichrist but he certainly had some uh, uh, outrageous and uh, very uh, dark behavior, which was not uncommon for that that year either. I but, thought
1: I thought Obama was the Antichrist.
0: Well, yes. I mean, I think that there's a case like that. That got me fired from Gaia, basically, because <laughs> I made <laughs> I made a case. <laughs> I made a I talked about that birthday, and, and, and then I was making these connections with Obama. I was doing all this stuff with like Obama and um, Malcolm X's chart. Uh, Obama and uh, Frank Marshall Davis's chart. I was like trying to, trying to like, who, who's really Obama's father? Then I was playing with that, the Antichrist birthday. And that was my last show at uh, Gaia. Then Gaia. Now, then Gaia, now Gaia.
2: Wow. I, did, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was very yeah, um, ex- explosive <laughs> when that was all going down with the Obama stuff.
0: Just like I had a strange feeling about doing or not doing the show with you, the last time we are supposed to do this, I, I went into Boulder and I had a feeling that like this was going to be my last series of shows. I just had that feeling. And I couldn't really shake the feeling, but it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory, I guess. And um, that's what happened. Uh,
1: one thing that I haven't really mentioned in public is that leading up to my my trip to Chicago, which ended in a hospital, um, I kept seeing nine one one everywhere.
0: Mm, interesting, yeah.
1: For
2: like that is interesting. Two
1: weeks before that,
0: you know, uh, you know, that Chicago is the heart chakra of the United States, terribly? Is
1: it, is it really? I remember. I I know Andrew Bartz has talked about multiple oh. heart chakras on the planet.
0: The United States. This is what Robert
2: just said the United States, right? Yeah, yeah United States,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I long time ago I used to hang I was really involved in the Finhorn world, and um, I spent uh, a month hanging out in a uh, place called Sirius, the Sirius S I R A U <serious laughs> S community in uh, Shutesbury, Massachusetts, just outside of uh, Amherst, and there were a group of people there who were former uh, residents of Findhorn who wanted to start the American version of Findhorn. So I spent a, I spent a month there. And, w- and one of the founders was this guy, Gordon Davidson, and his partner, Curry McLaughlin, who just passed away. Um, Gordon was very uh, dialed in to uh, Esoterica. He used to work for the Luce's Trust, which is the publisher of the Alice Bailey books. Right. So, you know, Gordon, in that world, Gordon was really dialed in. He taught at American University. So he, there was the first time that I, he kind of laid out some of the chakra stuff of the United States. And uh, Chicago, according to Gordon, uh, is, the, is the heart, Chicago is the heart chakra of the United States. Uh, New Orleans, surprise, surprise, the second chakra of the United States.
2: Hmm. Where's the head and crown?
0: That he didn't have an answer for. He did not have an answer because I asked him that. Um, the the, uh, the third chakra was New York City.
2: Oh, I can see that. That being Power. The,
1: the solar plexus or the mm-hmm.
2: yeah. solar mm-hmm. plexus.
0: But then the fifth chakra
1: was Los Angeles. Hmm. Oh,
2: interesting.
1: That's scary if they're the voice uh, of yeah, our right. nation.
2: I tell, well, Chicago being the heart is scary too. <laughs> Persian, know, right?
1: Persian scribes of <laughs> Polish. Polish I'm so- never- sorry.
2: Sorry, I'm no fan of Chicago. Persian <laughs> scribe
1: said that
0: Polish sausage is at the
1: heart of Chicago's heart chakra. Mm. <laughs>
2: <Polish
0: sausage. laughs> Chicago's, a, Chicago's a really weird place when you drill down, yeah, and, and you look at all the high strange that has come through Chicago,
2: yeah,
0: it really- is.
2: I couldn't get I spent almost a decade there, and I wanted out so bad by the end. I got out at the end uh, ironically uh t- two thousand so the this all right this time nineteen ninety nine same time period my mother died. It was like a big exodus in, with so many things in my life but it, there's something out of Chicago that always feels like a trap you can get trapped there interesting. Uh, and I, don't get me wrong, I love all the ethnic communities and I certainly, certainly love and miss all the Ukrainian food and all that stuff that I'm fond of. Hot dogs. Uh, I'm not a hot dog person, but the Ukrainian and Russian community and Polish community are just strong there. And I have that blood in me. So, uh, and, you know, the, it's kind of the good stuff of a big city, but there's something really churning under it and and my only feeling has always been it feels like a trap like the portland area where i am now has that shanghai energy chicago has that on a different level like an energetic uh there's an underground trap there that traps your energetic body
1: mm, but only in the city though um i was there a couple weeks ago uh, for new year's and I spent most of my time out in the south suburbs, but when I did go downtown, it was very oppressive.
2: Yeah, 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 and I only lived in the city, within the city, so, and and again, you know, it's all, it's, every city's like that, though. There's always a dark underbelly, but I felt, I had this feeling like I couldn't get out. I've (laughs) I've only had that in two cities. So,
0: So is Portland the other city?
2: No, I was able to get out. Out of Portland, ironically, Des Moines, Iowa, is the other one. Interesting. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, what's up with that radioactive-looking relish that they put on the hot dogs in Chicago?
1: It's called it's called <laughs> Emerald relish, <clears throat> and uh, it's just it's like a sweet pickle relish.
0: Remember the first time I saw it? It was uh, some Chicago, some guy in California decided he wanted to do a Chicago-style hot dog uh, stand. And I had one of his hot dogs and lo and behold, the three mile island relish comes out. Like, is this stuff, man? <laughs> I mean, I, I ate it. It was it, it was fine. I just, it's just it was something that growing up in California, we you know, always had that dull green relish.
1: Right, yeah. right. It's it's some kind of special relish that's only, you know, on Chicago dogs and Chicago dogs consist of um, onions, pickle, relish, mustard sometimes cucumber, sometimes tomato, and sport peppers, no ketchup ever. Mm -hmm. And that's a Chicago dog.
2: Chicago has amazing food all around. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, as far as a big city.
1: When I was like 30 minutes, I drove up there on uh, December 26th or 7th, I don't remember. On 26th, rather. Yeah, it was 26th, it was Thursday. I drove up there and when I was 30 minutes out from my parents' house, I called Lou Malnati's and ordered a pizza. Which I picked up and brought to my parents' and ate throughout the week. It was pretty funny, but that's like my favorite pizza up there is Lou Malnati's.
0: Is, is that a traditional Chicago style pizza or is yeah.
1: it? Yeah, okay. It's a. Um, it's not a stuffed. It's a pan pizza. Okay. And they have a unique crust, which it's like real buttery and and it's 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 a thick crust, but it's thin crust. It's not cakey. And then they put a layer of cheese and then a layer of sausage and then tomatoes go on top.
2: So I I miss I'll tell you what, it's hard to find a good pizza pie out here. I miss Chicago pie. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. It is I encounter all right pizzas out here, but nothing has blown me away like Chicago.
0: So Jerry, what was the first food you wanted to have? Like pizza pizza that was on your mind is like i gotta get a pizza absolutely well <laughs> actually
1: <clears throat> uh i was gonna get hot dogs but all the places were closed by the time i got there malnati's wow. was open till 10 or 11 mm.
0: but yeah i bet you that was the best pizza you've ever had it, it is and still
1: is to this day my favorite pizza in chicago
2: but also in light of the fact that you had returned, returned that's right returned yeah, that,
1: that, <laughs> i never really thought about that but yeah now that you're branching it
2: things are mm-hmm. a little more vivid mm-hmm. so i'm wondering robert what is your gut your your psychic intuition as well as your honed astrological eye feeling about all this this 500 year alignment like all this stuff what's going on for you with all this
0: you know i th- i think in a lot of ways um it's almost it's almost too big to articulate and break down into mundane terminology i think we kind of put this in buckets a little bit and try to kind of piecemeal this um it, because we're dealing with collective energies um uh, we're dealing with global energy or global global outcome we're dealing with uh in this country of course uh, national or, or geopolitical national energy, and we're also dealing with uh, personal energy interpersonal energy, meaning us and the relationships in our lives uh, so this is a really t- profound time it's a really really profound time and you, we're, we're you know we're smacked out in the middle of uh, Capricorn season. And this alignment that you're talking about is in uh, Western Placidus tropical Capricorn. You know, some people like to use the sidereal calendar, in which case all this reverts back to Sagittarius and has a different connotation. And I don't discount the sidereal chart, uh, but I do work with uh, Western Placidus uh, tropical zodiacal uh, metrics. So that's what I use. If you could put the two together, they're actually kind of interesting. It gives us even more of a kind of a multi-dimensional wallet. So if we want to start with Capricorn and kind of work our way down, we'll start at the top of the pyramid, which is, you know, fairly um, kind of symbolic of Capricorn. You know, what we're dealing with are these immense, very powerful superstructures, government, corporations, um, mostly government and corporations, Sometimes entities that uh, represent government and organizations or corporations, i.e., people that have sort of a Capricornian sort of bent to them, and there are certain characters obviously that 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 will that play certain role. Jared Kushner, being a Capricorn, would be one of them, uh, very much behind the scenes for now. But they're going to roll Jared Kushner out uh, when the time is right, and they're going to he'll play a much larger role uh, moving forward. And I'm not a big Jared Kushner fan, but this is kind of kind of where we're going. And I think this period in this cycle that we're in will be kind of a baptism for Jared Kushner. Um, One of the things that marks his chart is that in astrology, there's the ascending plane of the moon and the descending plane of the moon. And that's the north node slash true node. Then there's the south node. And these are really, really important aspects to astrology. Um, the, The nodal uh astral the, the nodal relationship to astrology really blew up when Stephen Forrest, an evolutionary astrologer, really began to work with the nodes. And independent of Stephen, I really, you know, because I, I a lot of the stuff that I did, I just, you know, self-taught in kind of a very savant-like fashion. And so I really jumped into the nodes on my own accord. And then I figured out that this is a big part of this evolutionary astrology school. So it with that said, The true node is really where you want to put your focus and your emphasis in this lifetime. Like if you want to streamline your life and you want less drag on your life, you want, you want to go to the North node, wherever that is in your chart, North node slash true node, What you don't want to do. is You don't want to hang out on your South node. So the North node represents some opportunity for you to, you know, get your, get your feet on the ground and really grow here. That said, Jared Kushner's North node, uh, Slash last true note is in the sign of Leo, and it's conjunct Donald Trump's Pluto, right in Donald Trump's 12th house. So essentially what Jared Kushner is doing is that he, I wouldn't call him a succubi or a succubus, but there's something there where he is feeding off of this Plutonian kind of force that is generated in Trump's 12th house. Also, that Pluto in Trump's 12th house represents some heavy shit. Like people that have Pluto in the 12th house natally, uh, I, I'd be very hard pressed to find many people who don't, who have Pluto in the 12th house, who have not had some very intense uh, uh, experiences in their background. Uh, anything from uh, really deep and dark abuse uh, physically. Psychologically, uh, some people have Pluto in the twelfth house um, have come within inches of their lives. Uh, some of them have actually had near-death experiences. You know, most of the time, it represents this very uh, hidden or occulted pain uh, that that is that is in the individual's chart. Ironically, uh, through my peregrinations in astrology and looking at various celebrities that have Pluto in the 12th house, there are quite a few and they're very, very prominent and very powerful people, at least in the public eye. Like Muhammad Ali uh, has Pluto in the 12th house and um, Katy Perry has Pluto in the 12th house. There's a kind of this driven quality that Pluto generates because Pluto is a planet also very much connected to obsession and possession. So if Jared Kushner's true node, like his purpose is connected to Trump's Pluto right now, there's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in their relationship, but also sort of behind the astrological scenes. And my feeling is, is this is where Jared Kushner is generating power, right? It's like, it's like Trump has become this generator for him, and he's growing uh, behind the scenes with his true node conjunction on Pluto. So I don't I just went off on this Jared Christopher tangent because he's a Capricorn. But what we're dealing with uh, sort of on the global level is this massive kind of overreach with governments. That's where the Capricorn stuff comes into play. We have Jupiter in Capricorn, we have Saturn in Capricorn, we have Pluto in Capricorn, South Node in Capricorn, I believe Mercury's in Capricorn now. It's like it's like it's a it's it's like the gang's all here. And what's really interesting about all this is that the South Node is the is the vulnerable part. Like right? that's the other part of this equation. And as we're seeing, you know, this this um, Kabuki theater in the Middle East and the Kabuki theater of uh, the uh, the impeachment, and all, it becomes less real. You know, it's becoming less real, and people are starting to kind of see like. What's you know, what's really going on here? You know, it's like how much of this is um, choreographed, staged. Like, I think everything that's gone on post Soleimani has been choreographed or staged on some level. Like, nobody's getting hurt. They're go- These missiles are getting fired off into vacant parts of uh, Iraq, and and the idea ultimately, this is what I was talking about today, is to get people, you know, really, really stirred up and get people to start pumping out their their, their biopsychic energy uh, because this is what the matrix is created on. Uh, it's this biopsychic field that we're all tapped into and we're the batteries for this thing. And what's happening, though, this is my experience, is that we've, we've gone through sort of this um, Capricornian fatigue over the last two years because Saturn's been in Capricorn for two and a half years, and the South Node has been there for a little over here, about 14 months now, almost 15 months. So we're in fatigue phase, and so when this sturm and drong gets, you know, stirred up, some people just don't want to give a shit because, you know, it's like how much more can we take? But other people who are kind of, you know, in the game and, and trying to decode reality, they're starting to see that, you know, sort of the the, the seams in it all, and and this is a really interesting time because on the other side of that, it's, there's, a, I think, a very unique opportunity now for people to experience some form of integration. And, I mean, let's look at, you know, the role that the planets play. You know, the sun represents the self. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it even out of the sign. The sun represents the self. Pluto represents the, the, the core that ties us to this world. Right. Life and death. Pluto is life and death. Right. Jerry, you've got a pretty close relationship with Pluto uh, recently. Um, and, and it also represents a, a number of other things. right? It, in a lot of ways, if we can move through Pluto and move past our fears, um, this whole reality begins to open up in a very different way. So Saturn represents authority, domination and control, it represents the structures that we live in. And then we have Jupiter, which rep- represents opportunity and expansion. The south node is a word of warning. And then we have Mercury, which is, can we come in and understand this? Can we, can we decode this? Can we have a map, right? And so we have an amazing amount of potential to integrate our mind and how we communicate. Saturn, how we define authority and how we redefine it for ourselves jupiter the opportunity to grow through a period where it's looking like there's crisis whether it's real or fictionalized pluto which transforms our relationship with life and death and then the sun which is who we are so this is a really very interesting time you like you'd have to go way back way back to find anything remotely and i say remotely close not even close i say remotely close to where we are now and So there's all kinds of permeations and permutations, individuals and their lives and their relationships. There's a very, this is a time for very deep change. Like this is a window and you can really move through a lot of things if you don't get hooked on sort of this dominant uh, paradigm narrative. You can look at it, you can see it, and you and you could, you know, sort of play with it like clay or whatever, but this is my this is my uh you know, my two cents. This is what I would hope that people can 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 work with versus feeling like everything is sort of collapsing around. And that might happen too, by the way. Like there's the potential for this collapse. But if but if it does, hey, you know say la vie. Put your sunglasses on,
1: right? Right, right. right
0: absolutely and crack a beer yeah you
1: know yeah fyi my pluto's in retrograde from my, retro- my birth chart yeah
0: oh it is retrograde so yeah. you came you came back from pluto land yes to kick you out they kicked me out <laughs> we're not ready for you yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> um i forgot i was gonna stand out damn it uh, what
2: house is your pluto injury
1: i don't know how to tell that from this chart
0: if you could screen share your chart, that'd be really interesting, Jerry. I'd sure. love to have a look at that.
2: Sure, hold on. Mine's fourth house.
0: You have fourth house Pluto. Yeah. Wow. Twelfth,
2: twelfth house Sun, so it's got that relationship. No wonder him. we never
0: see your picture, never see your face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but in person, in person, I'm a hundred percent. You know, let's hook up and hang out and rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fourth house, and not Pluto. hook up and not hook up in the Tinder way, you know. Like, it, it, <laughs>
0: Is your home is your home a gothic shrine and the shutters uh, always pulled?
2: You know, this is why I loved you last time. You're like, oh, you got that program. Yes, but I don't because I have the rebel gene and all that. I I don't like the title goth, and I never did, even though because of my age, I'm back there, right, right. back in the beginning of this move that movement. Yeah, and certainly you can see it in my videos, my music videos, and all my art going way back.
0: I was I was watching this documentary on the Damned the other night.
2: Ooh, I, I think, love right? them. Yes. I, the,
0: <laughs> you know that, that Damned record. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a, gonna do a chart on uh, on Smash It Up. That's the first punk rock single. It has an actual date, right? It's October yeah. October 16th, Seven. 1977. Seven? Yeah. 1977. That's officially when punk rock begins.
2: Yeah, 77 was a gigantic year, and it, it's so funny, you can't pull, the whole goth movement is so tied into the punk, the outsiders all kind of happened right there at the late 70s anyway, with musically, so you yeah. start seeing influences that yeah. were coming out of the late 60s.
1: You know, the first time I ever heard of The Damned was on a TV show called The Young Ones.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember the that. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the British show.
0: Boris Johnson looks like he could have been like an extra on the cast of the young ones. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: find my chart now. Damn it.
2: Yeah, and, and you don't Jerry doesn't know his exact time of birth. You've got what within... day, what,
1: what what day were you born, Jerry? Uh February twentieth, nineteen
0: sixty five. Okay. I'm I'm just gonna you don't mind if I just kind of No,
1: here, I'll just put it in chat.
0: I I, uh, do my my astrological curiosity here. Let me do this. I'm just going to look up a little chart for you.
3: Let's see. Let's do that. Okay. Were you born in Atlanta or Uh, Chicago?
1: Glen Cove, New York.
3: Glen Cove, New York. All right. Let's do, let's put you here. I don't know how my charts are.
1: We'll find you. I've got everyone else's birth chart. just not my own. It's crazy.
2: We will know you, Jerry. Yeah, know
0: me. <laughs> you shall uh, know a man by the, by the town of his birth. Yeah, uh, sixty-five. Yes, right. Yep. In Glen Cove, New York. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do a. Uh, I'm gonna do just a, like a sunrise chart for you. So in I, think, straw-
2: I thought Jerry okay. had it down to like a 2 hour period or something
0: 1 hour so Yeah well, 1 hour mm-hmm. Oh so what, what, that's oh. pretty precise What <clears throat> what's what's that hour
1: Uh between 7 and 8 or I forget what it was I just In the mor- p- in the morning PM I use 7:15 mm-hmm. p.m.
0: Well, let's let's that's what you use let's put it down there Some people are very paranoid about their charts being I don't know I don't care no, I don't They're care all right, let me do this. Needle charts. How dare you? <laughs> I did a Greta did, Thunberg impersonation. I was going
1: yeah. Did you ever do a Greta Thunberg uh, chart? Did you ever do any work on her?
0: Oh, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of stuff with her chart. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. She's got a really trippy chart. Uh, she's going through a lot right now because of this... Uh, Australia. Alignment, yeah, yeah this, this alignment. Oh, I remember so, what I
1: was going to say before. Before you mm-hmm. continue, um, I'll go ahead because it's going to be a bigger discussion.
0: Um, wow, so, yeah, interesting,
1: crazy chart.
0: Yeah. well, okay. So there's your Pluto retrograde conjunct Uranus, and 1965 is a really interesting year um, because there's also Saturn Chiron opposition going on. And Emily and I were talking about this and um, uh, Jimmy Dore is uh, mm-hmm. born in 65. Uh, we looked at his chart. Anyway, you, you my friend, um, went through the Neptune-Pluto opposition. That is a no-bullshit opposition. Uh, it happens to everybody between like 40, 42 and 45, right around there. Mm-hmm. And – um Neptune, in this chart, transiting your uh, sixth house, which represents purpose, service, dharma, and the H word, health. Mm. And then you have Pluto, 15 degrees retrograde in the 12th house, which is taking you out of the world. And what happens with the Neptune-Pluto opposition, everybody goes through this, is that when we hit our early 50s, like, we've lived most of our life in a lot of ways. Like, you know, some people get another 25, 30 years max. And so the the, the Logos begins to reorient us towards not being in this world. So mm-hmm. what happens during this period and phase is that things get taken away from you, right? It's like you're attached. Remember I was saying that Pluto is, this, is yep. this cord that hooks us to the Earth, yep. right? Neptune comes along and basically um, dissolves the cord. Hmm. So depending upon where Pluto is in your chart, um, you can expect certain things to go away. So for you, Pluto, 12th house also rules hospitals, my friend. <laughs> so you're right on time with your Neptune-Pluto opposition. Now, I would say that because of you have this conjunction with Uranus in your chart, which is unusual, like that Pluto-Uranus conjunction Takes place between nineteen sixty three and right around nineteen seventy seventy one sixty two to seventy one. It's a very unusual conjunction, and, and that's the, my twelfth house, right? Yeah, they're both there, and the Uranus piece is like a turbocharged engine. So um, now that I look at your chart, I'm not surprised that you've recovered so quickly, um, and are are back on the case. Now the other thing that happens during this time, which is again part of the beauty the intelligence of the wisdom the logos is that Neptune during the same period winds up trining Neptune, your natal Neptune. So there's this, this kind of cosmic operation where something is being taken away. And then another thing is being like given and shown to you. And the thing that's being given and shown to you represents a movement towards flow and ease and grace. So we have this opportunity during this phase in the early 50s where we can consciously let go. And then when we consciously let go, there's something else that comes into play. And we get to see kind of this larger, bigger, and feel it more than anything, kind of opportunity, knowing that there's, I mean, it could be something as mundane as the kindness of strangers, but consistently. Right. And if you've like had to let go of a marriage or you've had to let go of uh, like a child in a custody battle or something, <laughs> you know, the Neptune trine comes in and says, well, guess what? You know, here are these other opportunities for you. You know, it may not look the same as what you've just gone through and what you've had to let go of. But if you can accept the grace in your life, here you go. <laughs> and, and that is the blueprint for leaving the body. Like, this is where people get the blueprint if they're – and you've got the blueprint firsthand, right? Is that because a good, of, good thing or bad thing? Well, I mean, I think – I don't know. I mean, it's probably good for you because it's in your chart. Mm.
2: And here and, you are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this is this is – I'm not surprised. I mean, your chart is really very much aligned. And you've got Mars on the first house as well. That's also retrograde too. Mm-hmm. But, and Mars in the first house is very forceful, I will say this now. I will say this, and it, and it may it may be like just uh, stating the obvious, but you've got to pay attention to your health.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And and this is where <clears throat> Neptune comes into play, and you've got the conjunction with Chiron coming as well. So you, I would say that you're out you're out of the pit, but you're not quite out of the woods. And you know, just do do whatever you need to do in order to stay in the game now because you're going to have a Neptune Mars opposition coming up and that can be very tricky right and this is over the next few years where there'll be times where your energy will be very strong and you'll feel very inspired and there'll other be other times where your energy will ebb and flow so just you know you want to you want to you the thing with this is you want to stay in the game and then you want to find your cycles right you want to find your cycles where you're going to be um more energized and, and and flow with your work and other times just relax and kind of let things sort of accumulate and and, and you let the water level rise yep. and you and you've also got you also have a very kind of unique opportunity coming in relationship with with Neptune coming into your seventh house and it's uh sometimes Neptune in the seventh house can be a real blessing and you can you can literally wrap your arms around your quote-unquote soulmate, that sort of a thing. And sometimes Neptune in the Seventh House can be very shadowy. And, you know, and if you haven't done your work, you wind up taking on projects and relationships, which aren't always good. But I think what you've gone through, I think potentially is setting you up to have a connection uh, one-on-one with another person that could be like incredibly uplifting from a spiritual perspective. You're not that far away from that. I think you have something that you can resolve. Like your Chiron is at 17 degrees. And one of the rules around Chiron is that the degree of Chiron represents the Chirotic crisis in one's life, which means that that's kind of when we fall off the turnip wagon or that's when we experience kind of a fall from grace. And I've, I've kind of tweaked it a little bit. It's usually, Either the degree of Chiron that that represents that year, or the year before or the year after, because so Chiron sort of goes through retrograde periods and moves fairly slow. So I would say for you it would be between the age of 16 and 18. And so whatever you experience during that time, you've already gone through your Chiron return, mm-hmm. which happens at 50. Neptune comes in, and you have to re-examine your relationship or your habituation because Pisces gets into the realm of habituation. So whatever habituation you picked up between 15 or 16 and 18, Neptune bring, comes around and it kind of raises the water to a high level. And then you have to say, okay, well, what do I want to do with this? How can I, how can I heal whatever happened during that time? I know for me, between the age of 15 and 17, uh, I, you know, I was a drug fiend. Yeah, and I, I hooked
1: up with my wife.
0: At 15 and 17. Oh, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Are you still together? No. Okay. So Neptune will cut. Co- this is the role that Neptune would play and that Neptune would come in and it would like whatever unfinished business or whatever kind of, you know, uh, you know, you know, grieving you know, because you're in Pisces mode or wh- whatever appreciation is there. Neptune will bring that to the surface. And, you know, you're very, you know, Virgo rising tends to be very cool and very controlled and mars on the ascendant means that you can take care of shit right but on the other side you know you're 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 a softy you know you've got this very sensitive part of your nature and it really comes out more in relationship and if you've had so you know i'm sorry i'm getting a little personal here Is is that okay yeah it's fine go for it i mean so if you've had to harden yourself where you've had to create kind of a virgo in sense of control over your world, Neptune coming around in Chiron can destabilize that a bit, but it's okay because what it's trying to do is kind of you know, open your heart and open up your emotional vessel and heal that period between uh, 16 and eighteen right mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. Because, because what happens then is that Neptune moves up into your seventh house and there's the potential. For something new, right? And and this is the only time Neptune will be in this part of your chart ever, ever. Mm-hmm. So you want to take advantage of it, of and and allow for whatever sort of you know culmination consummation to occur, so that whatever is going to be entering into your life, you're clean, and you're open, and you're emotionally available. So here you go, <clears throat> astrology makes, for you
1: makes sense. Uh-
2: he is a total softie. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> and and Grimsteak just agreed, so. Oh, okay, yeah. See.
1: Yeah, and Chris and Steve are here. Welcome, guys. Good to see oh, hello.
2: Yay. Love the Krimis. Yep. yep.
1: They're a sneaky power couple. They are. They
2: are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they are great. So show great. we
1: have with them. So uh, the, the thing I wanted to bring up was about this year. I don't know if you want to get to the end of the year yet, but. Um, there's a lot of noise about shit happening on twelve twenty one
2: I want to get to this this eclipse coming first, yeah, okay, can we kind of rotate round well, we can and get just, to the we, end
1: we should just go
0: chronologically uh so this next eclipse is the lunar eclipse that we 're dealing with, and that's in that 's in two days. I have it in two days I have it on the tenth yeah and let me let me pull it up. I just had it up and then i Move Jerry to the top of the list.
2: It's a juicy one.
0: Um, so
2: everything this year is juicy, though. Oh my god,
0: man! This oh, is going <laughs> to be a freaking wild year. Let me tell you.
2: Oh, plus Uranus and Taurus. Oh my god, it has. Oh, wait till the node. Sh- wait <laughs> until the
0: node. Wait till the node shift, and they oh. they go to Gemini, Sag- Sagittarius. We can talk about that.
2: Gemini's my ascendant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you're so I I think we're going to start to see more of your face.
2: Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. I'm yeah. emerging more. Mm-hmm. I've been doing more public stuff like around people. So anyway, this eclipse.
0: Yeah, so this eclipse uh the so we're, we're dealing there this is this eclipse is also part of this uh wolf moon which is a penumbral eclipse, right? So we're dealing with the and there are four penumbral eclipses this year, and this is the first of the four, which is it's kind of interesting um so th- we're dealing with the moon and cancer and it's and it's kind of like when you look at the chart it's a it's a funnel chart a, it, it basically what we have is we have a bowl between Mars and Uranus, and then everything else in between and everything is funneling into the sign of cancer on the full moon so there, you know, there's uh, the potential for intensity and immensity of feeling during this eclipse. I'm, I, you know, it. I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm, I'm not. How do I say this? I'm a little concerned that this kabuki theater, either, uh, uh, um, advertently or inadvertently, goes real on some level, right? Because there's some other things happening. Yes. And and. and And with the moon in Cancer, part of this eclipse phase, um, it's almost as if there is an opportunity for this kind of psychopathic push, right? Because the idea with the moon is that when the moon is full and luminous, like we get it in its effulgence. And in Cancer, it represents things like family and home and tradition and uh nurturing and growing and building and bonding and all and, you know mending and all that good cancer it's, it's the feminine it's the it's the you know it's the mother it's it's a you know cancer moon is wonderful but when it's eclipsed like that the the potential for that moon is also eclipsed right so if we're living in a, a psychopathic or sociopathic domain and, and, and we face it we kind of are um, then, when this moon is eclipsed, that means all the other energies on the other side, it, it, theoretically, are free to are they're free to reign, right? Free to roam. So there's permission here in some level, but because the 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 atmosphere um, or the the, the celestial um, uh, scrim is devoid of emotion, right? And so, if we don't have emotion, we don't have this kind of overlighting sense that there are repercussions for what we do whether it's breaking people's hearts or you know, you know emotion meeting conscience that means that there is a conscious conscience atmosphere that's associated with this upcoming eclipse especially when we have everything kind of arrayed in capricorn and capricorn again i think there's immense opportunity still don't get me wrong right because the other thing with this because I'm going, to, I keep looking at this phase that we're in, from the macro to the micro, and and we also have an opportunity to not engage in outworn sentimentality, right? Because you know when something happens, we we've, we've gone through this, and they've kind of backed off of this stuff because they've just drained the emotional bank account when something supposedly tragic happens to somebody somewhere and most of us who are kind of dialed in are, you know, rubbing our chins and really, really, why am I not feeling any resonance from this? Did this really happen? Right? So we've already been through this exercise over the last, you know, 10 years. Let's just cap it at 10 years. And I feel like we're in this other phase now where there's this potential for us to, in some ways, divorce ourselves from the worst kind of sentimentality and the way that we go about feeling in sort of a programmed way. You know, we, we you know, the last, um, you know, the last five to six years, we've really celebrated victimhood. You know, if some, whether, if, whether it was somebody dying or, you know, somebody who, uh, like uh, today, to look, uh, I got the local paper. And one of the headlines, you know, above the line, above the main headline, is local women, local woman uses her skin disease to inspire others. And like, okay, I get it. Maybe she's got more gallons or something, and God bless her, right? But we've, we've, we've created this, um, this religion of celebrating the victim and the wound of the victim. And with this eclipse, that does not have... The, it, it, that does not equate, right? Because we're not dealing with the normal power of this Cancerian moon in all of its fullness and all of its emotionality. So, if indeed uh, the, uh, the, the you know the, the the dark managers of the of, of the matrix of this realm decide that they're going to roll out some kind of ritualistic event that they've been working up to there's a very good chance that it may not have this. And, and when that moon is eclipsed, like, great, this is our time. We can we can be devoid of our conscience. You know, this is our cremation of care. Um, the same thing goes for, for the individual. And the individual may step back and look and go, we're supposed to care about this, right? I mean, so it's a really interesting kind of moment in time. And the eclipse cycles, they're just not momentary, right? They're like pearls on a string. So we already had one on the 20th. 5th slash 26th we've got this one and then the the third eclipse that is connected to this trinity is on july 5th where we have another eclipse that's connected to the united states it's right on the united states chart and and all the eclipses with the exception of that one are happening between gemini and sagittarius because of the nodes The nodes play a role in and 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 um friends and groups and relationships so you know One of the things, like like what, what, the United States is a cancerian entity. The United States loves to look backwards. Like even when uh, Trump did this kind of, you know, um, conducting. Well, let's just put it this way: he was waving the baton. I'm not sure he was conducting, but as he did this, one of the things that he did was he evoked uh, what happened in Iran. During, what year was that? 1979, 79, right? 79. 79. So he was going back to the past so that people, and he's got a bunch of cancer in his chart, uh, Mercury, Saturn, and Venus. So he has that ability. Like, make America great again. That's going back to the past. It's a very Trumpian kind of uh, anchor in his chart. And that's what he did with Iran. He went back 1979. Oh, remember what they did to us? Now they're going to pay. So you're going to see... I think more of this in the media and, and trying to evoke this sense of, you know, Americanism and, but with this eclipse moon, I'm not sure if it will be wholly successful because I don't, I feel like people are not going to fully buy in on some level. There's there's, there's this, I think this is a really interesting moon. And yeah. And it wipes out sentimentality. That's what it does.
2: And some people are, that's, which is going to, for me, watching and observing people, that's going to be an interesting sideshow. <laughs> well, and people it,
0: are, I, pe- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: I'm, I can't recall because I'm not looking at it, but was there a sextile to, uh, was it Neptune with the moon?
0: No, it said trine with the moon. So there, yes. And there's also a trine with Chiron, as well it's a wide trine uh it's in it's in a 10 degree orb and um the the trine of neptune is is much closer uh and i actually like that trine yeah because that trine is not about sentimentality you know that trine is more about real depth and real compassion and real feeling and not about some kind of artifice that is either socially or culturally inherited
2: Yeah, I felt like that seemed like it was going to take space where this, uh, this, these other energies may seem a little harsh. We then we have that kind of, I guess, silver lining in a way where we see the authentic feeling on the feeling on the feeling side.
0: Yeah, it's really funny, you know. It's it's um, feeling versus emotion, Uh, and uh, emotions aren't bad. I mean, I'm not here to. Even I, emotions are, you know, they're good. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're one of the things that that you know that are special in a lot of ways.
1: Isn't emotion is energetic motion?
0: Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the motion it, it, of your energy. So, it, 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 when we see somebody who uh, performs a, an an amazing dance or performs some amazing music, right? They're imbued with emotion, you know, in in it's, it's in in a in a, in a context. That, yeah. el- that elevates what they're doing. And then there's emotion that is a different kind of emotion. There's, there's over emotion and there's emotional drama. And, and I feel like that's a lot about this eclipse too as well. You know, like if we have these emotional attachments to our past, like this is the thing that brought me a great deal of pain. And man, I've been holding on to this thing for a really long time. Like this is a time where you can drop that. And there's an upgrade, if you're willing to drop it. The
2: sentimentality.
0: Yeah, it's not just the sentimentality. but Maybe it's the sentimentality like, my suffering is really my good buddy. Yeah. And I've
2: carried my suffering
0: around for a very long time. And it's really served me. It's got me sympathy. It anchors me to another time with other people, which may or may not have been good, depending upon how you, you know, spin it you know, moving forward. But you can. Th- this is a time where you can. People can let go of that stuff. You know, the, if 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 there are things that you want to let go of, emotionally, that no longer serve you, then you can do it. This eclipse is a is a gateway to that. And there's an upgrade moving to a deeper, more profound kind of emotional potentiality. Why would so- Why wouldn't you do it?
2: So Robert, a lot of times I find, I hear questions a lot. So these energies are there and you're able, if you can ride the energy, energy, you can, you can get somewhere, but you, so the question is with some of this stuff is uh, you know how Saturn will take if you don't give and uh, is this a, a, a case where the energy is going to take if you don't give if you don't ride with it will it take you or is this a a period when you actually engage with it
0: i think i think that's a really good question and and i and i I think your question can be broken down into two parts so if you don't ride with it i feel like the energy could be very oppressive and you'll be dealing with the intensity of gravity, and the gravity of you know the world around you, or the gravity of your past, or whatever, it, it becomes harder, right? It just presses down more. So what you want to do is you, you want to be able to let go and give it away because there's a great there's a great deal of opportunity with Pluto and Saturn it throws Ceres into the mix, right? Twenty one degrees, yeah. Mercury, <laughs> Mercury, the Sun, Jupiter lagging behind. This is a time for integration. I mean, we all talk about, like, us versus them. You know, the powers that be versus us. You know, the elites, the Illuminati, whatever whatever, you know, whatever whatever that nomenclature is. And to a large extent, those discussions are valid and real. But this is a time where it's like, who are you? What do you want to bring in? You, know, you count. You matter. And They may look like the forces of Sauron. But if you can integrate what's happening now in a conscious way, well, this is a really powerful time. This is, I feel like we're in a phase where our spiritual maturity is being really, really called out for all of us. Like we got to grow up.
1: Yeah.
3: Almost I, tested.
1: Yes. Almost tested.
0: Like we're being the tested. rubbers
2: meeting the road for sure
0: yeah, yeah, you know and I, this has been a theme I've been talking about for a while, and some people uh, resonate with it, and um, you know we went through a 10 year cycle, you know and and, and and I think for a lot of people, there are these uh, seminal events like for a lot of people it was 9/ 11 and 9/11 was the alarm clock for a lot of people, They're like, what's going on here? I, 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 what I need to figure this thing out. And so you had these people that were kind of, kind of opening on the edge and 9-11 just puts them over the edge and they're like, shit, man, I've got, I got to go deeper. And they get red pill with 9-11. Uh, for other people, um, it was actually Obama running for president. And he was a big wake up call for a lot. Of, Who is he? Where does he come from? And then you go down the, the Obama rabbit hole. And then there's all these other, oh, you go from Obama, you go to Clinton. mean, it's just, you know, the, 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 the tens were a time of awakening you know it's, it's a new phase right 10 is like it's like new like this new cycle yeah way. yeah and we now we're we're in we're not we're not in that phase anymore and um and we always have new levels to awaken to but that said we've we've come crest we've we've gone we've 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 you know went over the event horizon with with the awakening side of our story and for me, the, the social event that really typified that was um, the, uh, the, the ritual death of Alex Jones. And when I saw what was going on with Alex um, and going through his, you know, whatever that thing was that he went through, he, he, was, he was this icon that was kind of there at the beginning you know, of the truth movement, which for him was it is this whole crazy, like, 1999 broadcast, Y2K, nuts stuff. And That's where he kind of, in you know, some ways, got on the map. That's where he, that's where it all ends, right? When Alex Jones gets dismembered, that's when the, quote, unquote, truth movement is over. Whether or not you think of him as being a messenger of truth, symbolically, it's over. And that's when deplatforming starts to begin. But that's not a bad thing, right? It doesn't mean that that's the end of everything. There's another phase. And it's like, what do we do with everything that we've learned? What do we do with all this arcane knowledge? What do we do with all this awareness? And that's what this time is about. It's a codification of that
2: what do okay so moving from this eclipse deeper into 2020 and of course we're under those energies for you know solid six months until we hit the next one which you you've given us a clue on when we get to uh july 5th uh what's going on between say this eclipse and the july 5th eclipse that is I mean, and I know that's huge because this is such a big year, but what, what, you know, slide us in to these areas. So
0: at the end of May, beginning of June, uh, the ascending plane of the moon, the true node, moves into the sign of Gemini. The south node moves into the sign of Sagittarius. And um, through this time with the true node in Cancer, uh, you know, one of the first things that happened with the Trudeau in cancer was a lot of the, you know, really heavy duty, uh, in my mind, horrific legislation around very late in life term abortion. Like that got everybody's attention really quickly. And so we started to deal with these issues around, you know, production, re- reproduction, all these cancerian kinds of issues. And it happened with a bang. Right. It, was, it was de Blasio, um, Cuomo, and then Ralph Mortham. And there's a lot of other stuff that happened after that. And that's been a big theme. This Cancerian theme has been a really big theme. And I track a lot of commercials because they, they contain a lot of predictive programming. And even mainstream media shows, you know, whether or not they're reflective of this kind of archetypal relationship with the planets or people who understand these things actually create the shows for them. I think it's a little bit of both. And last night, as we get into the final decan uh, of cancer, uh, the true in cancer, I was watching this ridiculous show called um, Zoe's uh, Infinite Playlist. And one of the themes around the, the, the main character is that she's a redhead. Uh, she's working at a startup in San Francisco. And she has this weird moment in an MRI machine where she's having a playlist that's being uh, put together by the MRI tech. And while that's happening, there's an earthquake. So this massive playlist gets downloaded into her head, which is, um, you know, I think it's kind of a five G thing, like a five G precursor. And what happens is that once she gets out of this, she everybody that has something important to say or feel breaks out in song. So she hears their songs, and she sing, and they sing them, and then they do these. It's like it's like Glee on. Ketamine or something like that, right? And um, so the one thing that's interesting, more interesting about the show than that is that there is a slice of home and her father is played by Peter Gallagher and it looks like he has ALS. They don't say it's ALS, but it's like he's got a very, so you see Mary Steenbergen who plays her mother, feeding Peter Gallagher. And this is this very cancerian theme that I'm talking about. It's about home. It's about family. It's about loyalty. It's about dedication, and we get the precursor of what's coming, which is this weird split in reality, which is the true node in Gemini. What's real? Is this person real? You know, are are they are they you know acting out, singing the song? Like, what the hell is going on here? So, in astrology, we can see events that can tell us where things are going at the end of one sign, right? So when we get into, like, uh, May, we get into May. May is going to be a very interesting time, Circle May, because that's when the true node is about to shift, and that's when Saturn is about to move into Aquarius. So between the the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which is happening on Sunday night, And what's going to happen in May, we're going to start to see the prelude for Saturn for the next three years. So with the Trudeau moving into Gemini, I mean, you know, it's going to get get weird. It's just going to get strange. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of, like, the deep fake stuff. You're not going to know who's real or what's a man or what's a woman or who's – I mean, we've already got some of that now. It's going to get even more outrageous. I think that AI is going to start to really begin to interpenetrate yes. um, the, yeah. the workforce. Like, like 2020 is the year, like, you know, the the person of the year, I'm going to go on record. I'm going to say the person of the year at the end of 2020, and we'll still be here. The end of 2020 will be a robot.
2: Could be Sophia. <laughs>
0: Could, could be. I hope not. That'll be the person of the year because you're going to see AI take off. Why? Yeah. Saturn in Aquarius is also going to be a prelude and a precursor to AI. Hmm. So we're going to start to see some of that now. And and the other thing with Gemini is that it's going to be really hard, I think, to distinguish, not just like if something is a deep fake or a man as a man or a woman as a woman or or a robot as a human. It, that's like in a lot of ways very topical but we're going to be living with information overload like, be like s- we are s- now oh just wait <laughs> no it's not even close it's not even close like um here's the, here's another one right here's another sort of sign signifier precursor prelude ricky gervais ricky gervais did a gemini he did gemini magic oh yes
2: yes yeah and, yes
0: at the Golden Globe, right? Because if you look at the symbol of Gemini, he's in that world. You know, you look at Gemini; it's like you know, the you have you have the 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 seat of heaven, you have Earth, and then you have the two like um, uh, obelisks. There you go, holding them up, right? And he he's like one of those poles, but he's also connected to that community. And Gemini is a trickster. You know, Gemini pulls the rug out from people and situations. That's exactly what Ricky Gervais did. So we're gonna see a lot of that too. It's like I think we're gonna have a lot of holy shit moments.
2: Do we know if he's is he in the Royal Order of Jesters? Is he a Mason?
0: Um he might be. Because he
2: strikes me as a jester.
0: I well certainly he's a jester. I mean that's his but but,
2: you know ordained in 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 that arc.
0: You know I haven't I haven't looked that deeply but let's at the sound at the risk of sounding you know tinfoil hatty, which I have not had a problem doing throughout most of my life Never uh, I. <laughs> and so so in order to get to these positions you, you, you've either got to be like crazy crazy talented and somebody says, "I can make a lot of money off that person, or you've got to be crazy, crazy connected, and the crazy connected part is the the, the societies and the orders that yeah. pro- that promote their ranks from within
3: yeah yeah um
0: so we're going to see more of that we're going to see more of the rug getting you know, this trickster energy and i you know i kind of like it actually <laughs> i think it's i think it's I interesting it. with yeah. my yeah. gemini
2: <laughs> rising yeah. i love i love seeing it it's uh interesting and uh it's, it's
1: fun to watch
2: yeah, well, it's it's like rabbit hole heaven. You know, what's what? It's through the looking glass, literally.
1: So I found a link on Reddit that says Ricky Gervais and Stephen Fry are both fellow Freemasons. I don't know if it's true, though.
2: Yeah, I would, he,
0: I would be surprised.
2: It seems to me, I haven't observed him that much to see his general, you know, like the signs and symbols, but the, what he does, his occupation, and the way in which he is able to conduct it that seems our right to a lot of other people he can go up and roast some major people and they can har har at it seems very internal to me
0: right like like they know and uh, and he has permission he's been granted permission to do it right
2: absolutely and yeah. that that was what was so telling because he really laid it out
0: well the other thing that's really telling too is that that monologue obviously was written and teleprompted and um, you know, the the foreign press people, the Hollywood foreign press people, they had to look at that script, they had to okay that script and they had yes. to choreograph that script because when he talked about Neverland, that camera was right on Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> Super pedo. So this, this gets back to another theme that Gemini um, is also, I think, very indicative of. So when you look at Gemini, you look at uh uh Yachin and Boaz, right? The the twin the twin columns the of columns. mystery.
2: Yeah. Right. And the high priestess and all that, yeah.
0: Yeah. So so the the one of the stories about um Boaz and Yakin was that there were these massive columns that were um that could float. And in in the columns was the um the 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 secrets, the magic, the blueprints, everything that Atlantis wanted to preserve for the future were in those columns. And that eventually they they washed up. This is, you know, a narrative, right? One of the narratives, that it washed up in um, North Africa. And that's when there's this kind of explosive, propulsive period that takes place, and that that they contain the twin pillars of mystery and wisdom. Now also, again, theoretically coming out of Atlantis, also connected to the twin pillars are these two groups, right? Which is, um, uh, the sons of Belial and the law of one. And that gets into Gemini and that gets into this idea that there are secret orders within secret orders. There are factions within factions. Yes. And that the, 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 The law of one, theoretically, is more benevolent and wants us poor earthlings to be able to run our affairs without any interference. And the sons of Belial are different and they believe that we need to be ruled and that we need discipline and structure and order. And so there's really interesting stuff around this. You know, like there's this narrative that James Cameron made this shift from being like a son of Belial to a law of one member. Because if you look at his his work, you know, for a while, it's really, really dark, right? Really dark. Then he makes a shift with Titanic. And there's this um, story about him studying the Scottish rights while they're actually filming um, that movie and that it shifts his per- perspective. And it's a story about love and hope. And if you look at James Cameron's, like, trajectory as a director since then, it's very different than his earlier films. Um, so he would be representative of somebody who switched sides. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing these factions within factions, like even today, like Trump, the, 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 the master jester, Iranian radical Gemini, um, who is as much of a freaking genius as he is a complete and utter fool. Um, today, he, he basically, this is really important to pay attention to. He basically said, whether it's true or not, that these missiles that were theoretically fired uh, into Iraq were paid for and funded by the previous administration. like he said that today. So he's laying the tracks to go after Obama and Susan Rice and Valerie Jarrett, right? So there's, there's really interesting stuff happening.
1: And there were a couple accusations thrown at Obama during his speech today.
0: I, I, so this is not th- this is not a shotgun effect. This is this is very specific, right? Yes. So so we're dealing again with this kind of weird Gemini world. These factions within factions and these groups and um and, and it's it's, it's gonna be a trip. I mean, this is gonna be in some ways, it'll be a very hard year. Like if you're not fluid in 2020, because we're dealing with mutability, like the true node in Gemini is about mutability. If you're not fluid in 2020, it's, it can be very, very difficult. If you're, if you're not mentally fluid, if you're not flexible and fluid with your body, um, it can be you know very challenging because on the other side is the south node in Sagittarius which could be very, very dogmatic. So what people, what you're going to see people do is that people that can't navigate and adapt to this information overload and what's real and, you know, um, you know, is Ricky Gervais on our side or not or whatever, right? What will happen is that the people that can't handle that, they'll go to the South Node and they'll go to Sagittarius and that's when dogma will come into play. And people will say, I don't give a shit. You know, my God tells me to do it this way, right? that will be South Node and Sagittarius. And I think we'll see some of the worst kind of dogmatic behavior. Mm-hmm. I
2: agree. I think we're starting to, I think it's really starting to show now anyway.
0: And, and I'm all about, like, the underdog. I've always been about the underdog. And in a weird way, I find myself at 58 years old representing a certain pigmentation. And a certain like sex associated with that pigmentation, and so now I'm looking around. I'm like, you know what? I'm the I'm the, culturally I am the underdog. Like me, Jerry, I'm gonna I'm throw you in the mix. Like you and I, we are not near the top of the pyramid. I mean, if you look around culturally, yeah. media wise, like we're way down on on the bottom <laughs> of the pyramid. Absolutely. Like like the most exalted thing you could be right now in our culture would be a, a, a transgender minority like Which that are, you, you are exalted if you're a transgender minority and i am nothing against transgender minorities, but th- this is the celebration of that kind of uniqueness and courage. And, you know, again, transgender, you're going to get into that Gemini party, right? So right. for a lot of men who can't wrap their heads around kind of what's taking place, and all they're seeing is this, you know, front screen projection. That South Node in Sagittarius is going to get really hard for a lot of men, hmm. because it's like, you know, fuck it, I've had enough. You know,
1: not to mention the the attack on white men.
0: That's exactly general. what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yes, yeah. And, and so for, and white men are starting to push back now. Oh yeah, everyone they're, is. Yeah, absolutely, and. The, the The challenge here is to be smart, you know to be smart that's where Gemini comes into play, mm. and I just went through this election here in uh, fredericksburg to to remove the fluoride. I learned a lot
3: mm.
0: we didn't win, but I learned a lot, and one of the things I learned is that if you want to affect change or you want to um influence something you can't do it head-on, right. Our, right? our reality from this point forward needs to be asymmetric. Mm-hmm. The Gemini, Gemini really favors asymmetric approaches. Satire, uh, mocking, play, uh, irony, you yeah. know, anything kind of unusual outside the box. So just for me, again, I'm not trying to hold myself up to some kind of you know, paragon of virtue, but um normally, what I would do when this shit goes down with like Iran, you know older prior to me or another phase of my life, I'd be all into it right but, you know, what did I do last night? I thought to myself, well, you know what if i what if i what it just came to me in my in, you know, I was working out, I was thinking about Iran, I ran so far away. You know, the, the, the
2: <laughs> Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls. So
0: so I thought to myself, well, what if I combined Mike Thorne, who's the singer of Flock of Seagulls, and Trump and put it together? Like so I gave <laughs> Trump Mike, that. Mike Thorne's hair. And so that's what I did last night. Instead of like looking at, you know, what's going on astrologically, which I could, and it's not a bad thing, it's like, I want to do something different. You know, I want to have fun with this yeah um, you know that's the asymmetric <laughs> approach
2: <laughs> that's great that right uh, you know i always i think people should when they think about the mutable signs really start to understand what does mutable mean uh, it seems like you say that and then you'll still you still re- get greeted with like a frigid or a fixed mentality and um and you know, staying fluid as you said, and this eclipse is all about. When I ask that question of, is this is this a time when we, if you resist, are you going down? You know, is it taking? Are we giving? And so mutability right now. Keep your knees bent, and and ride. And if possible, it seems like you can get on the wave and actually steer it and make it work for you.
0: I think so. I mean, I think that's a. I think that's a really important thing for people to understand, that that energy is energy. In some ways, there's there's bad energy, there's dark energy, but there's also this idea that you can surf that wave, and you know, you got a board, and it may be the biggest motherfucking wave in your life. Is there? You get on your board and paddle paddle in, you know. And Jeez. that shark might yeah.
2: be right under the wave, but you <laughs> still, you can still get your ass on that board right. and come, you know, because this becomes a state of mind.
1: Australia, right. Australia, they call it a shark biscuit.
0: The shark biscuit. Well, wouldn't it be cool if all of a sudden the shark decided they wanted to surf with you and caught the wave with you, right? <laughs> right on. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's how we have to start thinking about reality
2: yeah robert this is what i'm always saying uh, to me there's no good or bad because everything lo- survival's the highest law so the parasites in your body want to live They're, yes, they, they, do. Just, they just want to live we may not want them in there and so everything that may not necessarily be pleasant for us is still just trying to live some things take advantage of of the ability, you know, there's the whole the parasitical thing's great because what's it do? It tricks your system. Yep. It gets in and it multiplies and it takes over. It's very intelligent. But Highly is intelligent. It evil? It's not. It's doing what it is trying to do to stay alive.
0: And then and then when you try to get them out, they just make life hell for you, don't they?
2: Yes. <laughs> and this is on all levels. So I I like looking at the parasitical uh Meme or narrative, and applying that, overlaying that everywhere. I I, I agree AI. with you.
0: I agree. I, I agree with you. And the one thing that I I think we have to acknowledge is that we are living with a high degree of parasitic overgrowth.
2: Yes. Oh, it's it's really, and this is a big. This I think becomes one of the big things for me, looking at this year and the ramp up in these last few years, I I truly believe this is an invasion. And I think we're in, not in the beginning, we're in it, baby. This is it. This is the show and we're in it. And uh, however you want to wrap your head around it, whatever packaging you need, whatever, it's, it's here and it's happening. So
1: this might be a good point to mention that we're going to be on Conspiranormal in a few weeks talking about Digital entities and parasites and AI demons and whatnot
0: Interesting. which kind of falls yeah. into this arena it, it does really fall into this arena. It's like Gemini represents two different realities, two realms. Mm.
2: yeah, yeah, uh-huh
0: yeah, yeah mutability means all about being adaptable and being able to change and um, you know the plus side of mutability is that <laughs> I had a, I'm sorry. I Had a mutable moment today. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so, That's hilarious. So, so
0: <laughs> you want to do you want to hear about my mutable moment?
2: Yes. All right.
0: Absolutely. So, so I went I went to renew my tags on my on my truck, <laughs> and they were late. Like they ran out in October, and I, I got them done about, about two weeks ago. I was I was driving around and I had the paperwork. hadn't done it, so I go downtown to the uh, you know, county clerk and um and whatever the state whatever uh, and i give her my paperwork and she said has the truck been driven or has the truck been driven since uh the tags expired and i thought to myself what am i going to answer here <laughs> right and i said well what if i said no
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she said well my next question is have you gotten a ticket? And I said, "Well, what if I said no to that?" <laughs> and she said, "Then I would say, give me your license, and you know, here's who you make the checkout. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's excellent.
0: <laughs> I was like, you know, because I couldn't lie because I've been driving the truck, right? I didn't want to lie, so I asked her, "What would happen if I said no?" Right? <laughs> so I, I think the, mute, the, 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 the mutability is kind of like that now. The downside of that is it can be kind of, kind of manipulative, right? I mean, Gemini can be a little manipulative. So, but in a time of stultifying oppression, sometimes a little lighthearted manipulation is not such a bad thing. Um, anyway, that's, that's that, kind of the you world know, we're
2: Robert, that also really fits into how we are able to, if we get into the mindset, bend the matrix around us too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these little things that may seem, you you know, everything kind of breaks down to the the little fractals, really. And they're big fractals in the end, but they're little, you know,
0: that's so so Gemini, by the way, Gemini uh, is the fractal.
2: I know, and and I've never been able to get away from my Gemini rising. I love, I embrace it, and I'm coming into my time. I think you are totally. <laughs> finally. Oh, I understood.
0: So, so the first picture we'll see of you will be nothing but <laughs> fractals.
2: I, listen, in my last music video, it, I had created this really great effect that's all fractals around at the end when i'm lip syncing the first one we're actually lip synced way so moving from let's move out so the next eclipse we're kind of in may may's the big day circle that everyone the big month yeah uh, let's move further into the year into the summer
0: yeah let me go to this eclipse coming up here well
3: oh, that's not it move on July I got
0: all these eclipses here. July 5th. I was born just uh like uh like thirty-six hours after an eclipse.
2: Oh wow. So I, when, I kind of the, when is your birthday?
0: Uh, September 22nd.
2: Okay, nice. I'm April twenty-sixth.
0: Okay. You're, you're, you're early Taurus. Mm-hmm. Sun in the twelfth house. Um so this yes. next the, the, the this is a big one. Um, it's going to be july 5th right on of uh, the u.s so uh, the u.s sun right and what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with another lunar eclipse so uh, when i say it's on the u.s sun meaning the sun itself is um, going to be conjunct the u.s sun and um the u.s sun is interesting because it's also conjunct sirius they did that on purpose right this is the ben franklin mastermind plan so that when uh they cast the chart right, for that day that's when heliacal sirius was going to be conjunct the u.s sun so we we bought the united states is bonded with the binary star like the twin star theoretically of our our own Sun. so um the moon will be in capricorn during this time it's almost like in some ways the the reverse effect of what we're going to be experiencing in this upcoming eclipse, like in two days. So in this eclipse, it is again uh, the moon that is occluded, but the moon in uh, Capricorn tends to be arid and um a kind of uh what's word austere. And very pragmatic. People who have Capricorn moons tend to be very, very pragmatic. And they tend to kind of moisten up uh, and get a little bit more emotional as they get older, which is the story of Capricorn. And so in this instance, what we what we want to do is we want to be able to dive into the emotion. It's the other way around. Right. So this is a time where, you know, it would be something along the lines of um, you know. Keep walking. Nothing's happened. Keep walking, right? That—that's kind of the theme of this moon in—in in, uh, this eclipse in July. Like keep, and it's like keep on swimming. So well, no, it's like nothing to see here. Move along. Got it. Got it. Okay, that's kind of the energy. And meanwhile, on the other side, we have Mercury and we have the Sun, and we also have Vesta conjunct the Sun as well in Cancer. That to me is like. If if we are disassociating ourselves from you know kind of false sentimentality with this upcoming eclipse, the eclipse that's happening in July is about real emotion and about like kind of real care and potentially real outrage because we're also dealing with the first degrees of Mars and Aries and Mars going to be in Aries from June all the way up through what is it January of 2021, Mars is being Aries for a very long time.
2: Ooh wee.
0: Yeah. So when I, when I first looked at this eclipse, I, I got kind of a, a, a red alert for this eclipse. Like this, this, this to me, if there's any like threat, if we're, we were going to stare down another kind of version of a nine 11, it would be this day that's what it feels like to me like this, i just saw a big red light when i when i first fired this up and so the 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 outrage or the feeling is what we need to be experiencing versus shutting down emotionally it's a it's the reverse like this eclipse that we're dealing with now it's better to not it's okay to not like buy in to the emotion buy or buy into the sentimentality this this one in the fifth, though, is really about like, you know, holy shit, you know, there's something, there's something deep and profound um, that's going on here. And we we need to, you know, rally the troops or we need to hold together. And the, and again, you know, we're still going to be dealing with a lot of Capricornian energy. Saturn's right at the 29th degree. It's And I believe it's retrograding. So just as we're moving into that Saturn Aquarius. Um, sort of prelude it moves backwards and it's moving backwards towards this kind of assemblage of control. just when it feels like we're about to break free or something kind of you know jars loose it's like pulling the reins back and and it, and it and it feels quite intense and I did this chart for specifically washington d c And Aries is on the Ascendant, and Mars is in the 12th house. And and that's like hidden enemies. Like something foul is afoot here on this eclipse. Something very foul is afoot. And I've always felt like the summer is going to be, you know, that the June period, but really like July up through the possible election. I, I don't know if we're going to have an election i'm not sold on it i you know know, looking at it from vegas odds i'd say the over under is probably 70 30 at this point
2: so take us down the darkest route here what so on the darkest side what how do you see it playing out
0: so how i see this playing out would be like if we wanted to like like if if i was an evil bastard and I wanted to enforce control, I wouldn't do it all at once. i do it in stages. Because you could get people used to a certain level of control. And then you go to another level. I mean, that's, it's not rocket science, but I'm talking about actual physical control. So an event like this could create, or a potential event. Let's use the word potential. It could create um, the type of reality where uh, there's much more of a sense of lockdown. Like if you want to go state to state, you know, you'll you'll, you'll really have you know, like you'll have to show your ID.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, we actually, we're talking about a war.
0: That's actually know. coming. That's uh, right, real the, ID. The
1: real ID stuff, yeah. yeah.
0: Right. I mean, so that's what that you know, it's like getting people used to sort of the walls closing in. They won't completely close in, but it'll be much more difficult to have. The traditional sense of freedom that, that you know we've become accustomed to in a lot of ways.
2: so robert with this and that's that we see here astrologically and then with your sense of um psychic awareness how so the reason why i asked take us down the darkest route before we look at possible uh, ways you you know, before we rise up and and look at possible ways to empower ourselves as well. Uh, What, it it looks really dark to me. And I've tried to parse out how, how it could play out in, I mean, it's just going to play, it's going to be nasty. And I can't get myself to see the silver lining in it, except for possibly that it brings people together, the folk more and and then of course any route out of prison is rough because that's what we're talking about
0: it's a shawshank redemption right yeah it's too it's it's like a mile and a half of fecal matter you know um blown you know creeping up through your nostrils so so my feeling about this is that the, the the real potential dark night is election night that's a that's I've looked at that chart. It's just dark, really dark. And that would be a time where there could be like just a a very severe cap on things. You know, like like moving into the you know, potential civil war territory. Because that's the other thing with Gemini, right? I mean Gemini does represent this duality and the split. And if you've got that South Node in Sagittarius where everything could get really inflamed and um you know, dogmatic and, you know, over, over, over overzealous, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky kind of orientation. So the way that I think we, we can manage this is number one, I think it, you paying attention to what's going on, I think is vital import. I think it's important to pay attention. I also think it's important not to get swept up by the events like you've got to have a really deft sense of what you need to you know kind of latch onto and you know make some meaning out of and what you need to let go of and say this is not mine and at the same time i also feel like again from this um asymmetric perspective like the best thing a person can do would be to feel happy or have some joy and be alive and be creative and in a time of oppression that can be a very hard thing to do but it's the thing that's probably the the one it's like the most unexpected thing to do and it's not like stupid happy or mindless happiness or joy but it's kind of a conscious and aware sense that i'm going to embrace affirmation and i'm going to live creatively i'm going to live if rome is burning let let me get out my my stick and some weenies right and roast them i mean it's it's kind of what we were talking about earlier because the other reality potentially is to get caught up in the churn and to get caught up in the drama and how useful or available will you be to yourself and other people you know
2: we have to on an individual level it is a good idea to become like the trickster yourself
0: absolutely
2: and and absolutely. so you're on you get on the same footing you know i saw this happening i think it was it two years ago two or three years ago i'm in washington state and i've lived up on the border of often and up in the San Juan Islands and you used to be able to you used to be able to just drive right on through, go on. It was so easy. And then we got this information at the post office that you're gonna need these enhanced driver's license. And now and so now you have to have those. But now there's new information rolling out that you need a full-on passport and all this. So it I mean it's just like slow burn.
0: That's right. That's exactly what we're talking about. And there's and then an event that becomes the tipping point. And now it's day regret. Everybody's got to have one, unless you're from Mexico. Then then it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. But
3: you got free health care in California. (laughs) Sorry. So,
2: so looking, so in between this eclipse and the election, and in this kind of intense summer, do you see anything going on? I kept getting pings about, and I hate to say this. I mean, I, I don't want to use the word. I don't want to use like the negative in the statement and then cancel it all out. But I, I'm getting this cautionary note about doing, being in big public places right now this year, you know, going to big concerts. and. And stuff like that, like big social stuff. And I I, I don't want to be like that, but I, I just have this, it's just tingling in my bones.
0: Um, well, I, I mean, you should probably, you personally should probably listen to that, at least on an individual level. Um, and I would say on a collective level, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, they're creating this, you know, theater of the absurd that's rife with tension. And, um, you know, today I was listening to the radio and these guys were given a briefing in Capitol Hill about what happened. Of course, it was very, very quick, very brief and very slipshod in a lot of ways. It was like, oh, here's what happened. This is why we did it. This is who he was. This is what he was doing. And our representative here in Texas, uh, this part of Texas is Chip Roy. It was interesting listening to him because um, I could hear a little bit in his voice like, he wasn't completely sold on what happened, right? But on the other hand, you know, again, you got to play that game, right? You know, you can't say, "Well, I'm not completely sold on what happened," you know, because he's in, he's in, he's in the game. He's a Republican, and even if he isn't completely sold, he kind of has to say that too, right? Especially when he's there with other
1: Republicans, making right? Statements. Or even
0: on conservative on conservative radio, right? Um, because if you want to be effective in a lot of ways. In some ways, you've got to you've got to blend in. But I heard I heard some things in his voice which were interesting and not wholly bought in. So that said, um, they're also they kept running this thing. It was weird. It was like they don't perceive any imminent threat or danger to uh, places in this country. However, if you're one of the following you should probably take note and be aware of your surroundings basically what they were saying and they were saying americans they were saying saudi arabians they were saying uh, israelis and jews so they're, they're 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 you know they're doing this double speak thing right like there's nothing to be afraid of no imminent threat however if you're this group of people you you know you may want to have eyes in the back of your head so um, you know we're getting into that place now. They're priming us for whatever you know could could go down in terms of either false flag or a psychological operation or perhaps something even real. And we're we're in a very tenuous area uh, with that. And again, the trick here is to be aware of it and say you know ultimately that's not my reality.
2: Yes, that's, that's important. Not-
0: it's not my reality. And I, you know, I got really clear. It's like what these people are trying to do and trying to impose, it's just not my reality. I don't buy into it. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the world that I want to inhabit nor care, nor care to support.
2: I say that daily to I'm like not even playing this. I, I You know, I look over and I watch it. It's like a TV show almost.
0: It's bad TV.
2: Yeah, it is. I'm like, I'd rather be stitching over here or something.
0: Like, like my, Mike Pompeo is just bad TV. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe there's another side of Mike Pompeo I don't know about. But the CIA, if is, it's a CIA side, probably. But if this is the best and brightest that we're throwing out into the world, I mean, please help us.
2: <clears throat> there's this. There's a sense of, and I've always had this. I've got that whole rebel gene. There's just a sense of non-participation that I'm smelling. I've always been like, I don't need anyone to govern me. I've had this sense of, I guess, agency my whole life and uh, I feel almost threatened like a queen bee when somebody wants to bring that kind of energy at me. And uh, now I'm definitely seeing this collectively through the astrology, but it's really playing out. What are your thoughts on all the extreme weather happening globally?
0: Before before we go
1: there, the the earthquakes in Iran yesterday,
0: right?
1: Yes,
2: floods in this middle Mm. desert and snow in the desert and more ice, less ice. We we we
0: we know that they can manipulate the weather. I mean,
2: yeah, yes, of course. I think at the bot there's a warfare going on.
0: There was one thing that I yeah weather wars for sure. There was one thing I wanted to mention briefly again before we move on to the weather piece and the earth change stuff is that south node in Sagittarius um, that, I, that I was talking about earlier, to me also, that's like the really, really bad dogmatic side of like end times religions. You know, like getting into like the crazy end time myths of the Christian dispensationalists and the rapture and, and the, the Habab Lubavitch people and the Mosiach. That's like the south node. In Sagittarius, that's, that's, that, that's like the kryptonite area. And so the true note in Gemini is to, again, be deft and dance on the pin of a needle, right? Or the head of a needle or head of a pin or whatever that is. I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of these people are driven by that. Like Mike Pompeo, which is what triggered it in my head is what he's a dominionist. And they believe that that they're going to be sort of this group that is going to be like the lords, the Christian lords of the earth you know and and that's supported by a number of like you know pastors that have surrounded uh trump and it's just it's a w it's a weird kind of end times ideology so and and the all the abrahamic religions have their version of it um as far as the end as far as the weather goes well we've got uranus in uh in taurus and that started with a bang when we had that massive volcano burst right It was huge. And on the last eclipse, what we had in the Philippines was a massive typhoon that killed about 25 people. And that was like kind of right there on the eclipse. So I think we're gonna see more of that. I think I think it's gonna be very some of it, some of it will be um, I think, quote unquote natural, whatever that is, and some of it will be artificially triggered and stimulated. And they have earthquake machines and there's weather wars. And you know Australia, God bless them. You know they're going through something very extreme right now, and you're experiencing that. They're experiencing that right now.
1: But the the Australia situation, a, is seems to be caused by a, a good portion of it by arson. And secondly, it's not that unusual. It's just that the season has extended, and it's a little. Well, bit I've dry heard
0: and... that they, that like they had another. It's like a cycle. There's a cycle with this stuff, Correct. right? Right. Okay, yeah. that like said the
2: nineteen thirties I think it all burned down.
0: That said, okay. That said, the entire planet has been uh coated with an accelerant
3: with yes.
0: chemtrails. So e- even if it is cyclical and and even if it is arson, you have to ask who and how and why are starting the fires, the heat from the fires. Is not the same heat that it was in 1970 or 1930.
2: That's so, why we keep hearing about the flames actually bursting because of the fuel above the trees. They're like, I was just listening to Max Egan talk about that. Like a flame ball would, you know, be have a projectile and then burst because of all this, the chemtrails. I have,
0: a, I have a friend who's fighting the fires in Australia and he's never seen anything like this before. Obviously, it's cyclical, but you know, even the fires in California, the heat from the fires in California were like hellish.
2: Yeah, yeah, same out here. They they were jumping the river here, the Columbia. But the thing is, right. I'm I'm just they all of a sudden come out with all this arson, and I'm personally I'm deeper in the woo than that. Sorry, I just am, and it could be my Gemini rising it could be my 12th house son it could be my spider sense i think there's a different narrative and so and i also think this is going to be a year where some of this gets revealed so i'm just putting that out there i don't necessarily buy it's these young kids or the 12, whatever however many started this fire
0: Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of uh, the fires in Oregon, where there was that that fairy tale about the kids starting the fire in Oregon.
2: That's the one I was just talking about, because that here, the ash was falling on my house. It was so close, and it was, I mean, come on. It was jumping the Columbia River and stuff, and then there's crazy footage of, these blue lasers coming down. just like in California, I don't know what they are. I'm just saying, I think we're not being told the whole story as usual.
0: Yeah, I I think that's pretty, that's that's fairly commonplace on our time, you know? And when we do get the truth, sometimes we have to question why we're getting it, who's giving it to us.
2: Absolutely, I question Mm. it all.
0: Good, that's good. Um, One of the things that's really interested me uh, over the last few months, is this whole subject of Tartaria, and um, the the mud flood, and this whole other timeline in reality. Um, and it actually really raised my spirits when I began to dive into it. And And I think this Uranus and Taurus phase, cycle, has something to do with that. And and it, what it, for me, it's about radically kind of revealing Um, the story of the earth and the story of land and the story of the buildings on the land and things like migration. So to me, that's exciting. And, um, and, 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 and I think that there's something about like the spirit of that time, you know, or the spirit of theoretically those people, whatever that, World existed. It almost feels to me like it wants to reanimate in some ways, and um, and it's it's uh, and people. I don't. I don't want to say that people need to believe or have, it, have believe in a dream, but bringing it back to Chicago, when you look at those photographs of the Chicago World's Fair, how can you not be awed? You know, those photographs are mind blowing. Like the buildings and the art, the architecture and the water and the parks and the statuary. I mean, come on. That's yeah. like that's like yeah. that's like really exalted stuff, and we've fallen so far from that in a lot of ways. You know, the beauty that we theoretically serve up is uh, is not even close. So there's something inspirational about seeing these buildings, seeing these structures, and they're reanimating, right? That's what's happening. It's like they're reanimating our awareness, they're reanimating our imagination, they're reanimating our spirits. So it's like a tale from. From our, our hidden past, and I think I think that's really interesting, and that's something that is way outside and not accountable and not and not scalable at all. And when people, everybody I talk to about Tartaria, their eyes light up. You know, their eyes just light up, and and I think that th- I think it's really important. Actually,
1: have you heard the new THC episode with Max Egan?
0: Everybody sent it to me. I haven't I haven't listened to it yet. It's on my list, but It's all about Mud
1: floods and Tartaria and yeah, how fucked up the timeline is and
0: Right. Right. So Jay Wider and I did a show on you, you, you were sorry, you were almost dead you weren't there. But uh Jay Wider and I did a show <laughs> on this on his channel. Yeah, on his channel. Yeah, you missed the best show ever, man. Uh no, so uh we got into it really deeply and I I was like I was obsessed like I, I was like so I was watching you know all these videos it's like download 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 and then I started to do the astrology for around 1848 1849 1850 mind blower freaking
2: mind blower guess where Uranus was Taurus hmm. hello oh, oh wow
0: yeah, yeah right <laughs> so um to me this is the this is the this is the big story and when, when you look at kind of the potential, you know, not just with the buildings of the beauty and the architecture, hey, what about that, that, that free energy stuff? You know, what about the, you know, the, 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 uh, the what do you call it? The, the antiquitec, which is what John Levi calls it. And, 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 you know, hey, guess what? They were probably taking in telluric energy and then the city itself was a freaking grid. That they were able to tran you know, transmit and light the place up, and you know we have, and it's just so contrary to like the planetary doom and Greta Thunberg. You got to get rid of your oil, and you got to get rid of your, uh, your 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 coal and your gas, and you know, put on an ash cloth, and um, <laughs> if you're lucky, if you're if you're lucky, you may get a ride on a public bus, right? It's a it's a return, it's like a return to this. To the dark ages without any kind of imagination without any kind of spirit you know it's just all dead you know when i if when i look at the planet climate change thing it's like what's inspiring about there's nothing inspiring about this they don't talk about free energy they don't talk about anything being really truly egalitarian and the explosion of the human spirit no talk about it's scarcity not, yes it's all about scarcity and austerity and mm-hmm. You know, it's like, come on now. Let, let's have a fucking renaissance here, people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, well, look at this. What the, Pla- the Pluto and Saturn stuff goes back, what, 500 years to the Gothic period, the Dark Ages, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, the Pluto, Pluto-Saturn stuff is really interesting. Like, you want to so, go back. What about the solar,
1: like that, right? the solar minimum, too? The we- solar minimum is coming as well the
2: solar minimums but with this narrative of the scarcity and austerity and the dark ages without the renaissance plays in line with this juxtaposition between uranus and taurus and saturn and pluto And the saturn and pluto stuff is like last time we had this was the dark ages there's something big going on with that narrative
0: well so there are two periods where saturn pluto show up one is when martin luther Uh, pops up and there's the reformation and that's like the end of one kind of order and the beginning of a new order right so the catholic the catholic rule um and i don't want to really get into the weeds of martin luther because he's a very controversial character like really who was martin luther working for you know i mean that's a whole other show yeah that's
2: another that's a whole
0: (laughs) right So, but but it but it represents something significant, because the hegemonic order, whether it was good or bad, now had this new this new threat. And this new threat is this new organizing principle, which evolves out of it. Now we can bring that forward, and we can look at you know Gre- Greta Thunberg, and that's another organizing principle. You know, I've always considered Gre- Greta Thunberg to be um, you know uh, kind of this. I would say reincarnation, although she's very close astrologically to Joan of Arc and that they want to turn her into this Joan of Arc kind of character in you know, this kind of wild, Joan of Arc has, was epileptic and have was seized by visions and that's you know, kind of part of the Greta Thunberg narrative. Um, and and uh, as a result of that, right, bringing us into this kind of, you know, much darker period, um, it's, but it's not very imaginative. It's not very uh doesn't grab you but 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 let's be the other thing too that we have to understand and this does get into this whole kind of capricorn piece that people need to wrap their heads around like we are at the end of a story like this is the end of a story
2: yes yeah
0: and 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 if we're going to have a new story um it's 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 we're going to have to go through kind of a deconstructive phase and this gets back to the fourth turning and this is the stuff we were talking about on the show with Jay, like this is what this is exactly what Jay and I were talking about. We are in the winter of our experience here in the United States and in, and in the West. In a lot of ways, we're in the winter phase, and Capricorn is representative of that winter. So this story is ending, but but there's bad parts of the story that are ending as well. Potentially, we have to we have to realize that though, and there will be a spring. There will be a springtime to come there will be a time of heroes and the heroes will play a role in whatever kind of new or reformed kind of world we're living in and they're they're living amongst us right now believe it or not they'll play a role i love these pluto and sag kids i think they're great i think we really do
2: yeah they're they're interesting i mean i find it all interesting so i try not i really try to stay the center line with everything Yeah. And that, maybe that's my Gemini. <laughs> I don't
0: know. Well, it lets, you, it lets you dance back and forth, right? You, you, you yeah. can, you're, you're not. You're not. You're not a prisoner of a position.
2: Not at all. I've I've always been able. I can I can pull up to mini tables and mm. eat. Definitely. I like that. I
0: like that. I, yeah, I, I, I know that story. Me. I know that story.
1: In addition to what? all that, I just want to say that there's a lot of a uh, reset quote-unquote reset talk happening mm.
0: right now oh absolutely absolutely i mean this is one of the things that jay and i got into right mm-hmm. so um and i did a i did a, a two and a half hour show on this and the reset you know there's very variations of the reset like the global reset what does that mean well it means guess what you got no fucking money in your bank account okay it's all been taken away.
1: That's just one level. You've also got that's, like, the whole mud flood global reset. Well, that
0: that's where I was going, right? But I was it starts off uh, with the, you know, well, yeah, you, you everybody gets their, their debt zeroed out, but there's this new economy, and there's a new way of, like, you know, transacting with this economy. So don't worry about it. You know, start off with just a little, little card or your phone, but, you know, obviously... Little, you know, the digital the chip, economy. The chip, the, chip, the chip is not far behind. But getting back to your point, Jerry, about the mud flood reset that, that that's going on right now I mean again I watch a lot of media and uh, brother you and I are being written out of history yeah. we are we are being erased and the other thing that's that I continue to find and again without any sort of bias I'm just witnessing is that all across the media whether it's commercials whether it's movies whether it's TV shows, that the, the really big thing now is interracial mixing. And not just black and white, by the way. Right. Like, like I just, there's, a, a, a show, there's a commercial out for, I think, Verizon or AT&T, and it's this family called the French family. That's their name, the French family. And he is theoretically Caucasian, and the, she theoretically is Asian and what you have is the caucasian asian family blended right so it's not just one kind of version of interracial mixing like the typical black white thing like they're taking it to new levels now right you know the blasian right so the whole idea is to create this new species have you ever seen that movie with tim robbins um it's it's a it's a it's a, a jacob's ladder no, 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 no. It's uh, 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 the, what is it now? Um, shit, shit, shit. Look it up. It's Tim Robbins and, uh, uh, what's his name? Winterbottom. Michael Winterbottom, I think, did the movie. And it's something like uh, 24, there's a number in it. Back to
1: 1942?
0: No, 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 no. This would have been from the 90s. What's the name of that damn movie? I'm looking. I even, ha- I even have it.
1: Who's the, who's the other guy?
0: Tim Robbins is in it. Tim Rob, yeah, and um, I don't know who the other guy is. It's Tim Robbins and this woman mostly. I see Code Forty Six. For code Forty Six. Have you ever seen Code Forty Six?
1: Never heard of it.
0: Code Forty Six is the future. It's the future. Michael Winterbottom lays it all out in Code Forty Six. Ah, yeah, he's the director. God. Yep. So, so Code Forty Six. It's in the future. And it's this miscegenated, hybrid, fused kind of reality where you don't really know kind of what a person is. And the language is this polyglot of Spanish and Chinese and English. And, and, but there's also other things going on in that there's cloning going on as well. And I don't want to spoil it for people because it's actually a pretty good movie. and code forty six uh, applies to a violation of a certain code that Tim Robbins winds up doing. He violates a certain code. I don't want to talk about it, but that's where that's where they want to take this whole thing. There's no historical perspective. There's no kind of racial, national, or cultural identity. They want that to go away. You know, they do the people that are kind of, you know, playing the grand Genesis on the planet want a, a race and a species of people who really are, are malleable and very programmable. And again, bringing that back to the true note in Gemini, which is what we're talking about, that's also going to be endemic of that.
2: We're yeah. going to
0: see a, we're going to see a lot more of that. And that gets into the mud flood reset. And, you know, and again, you know, I'm using kind of a kind of a graphic analogy but it's the same kind of um, dynamic that theoretically occurred during the first mud flood was that a whole group of people came to a new land and there were a bunch of buildings that that they didn't build and that they inhabited inherited right right so what's what's happening now we're having these massive waves of refugees coming from North Africa South America Central America Middle East they're showing up in Western Europe they're showing up in the United States and they're occupying and being a part of these Buildings, this culture that they didn't build, they weren't part of. It's kind of this, you know, reanimation of that version of the mud flood. That's, that's, that's what I've been able to deduce. And I'm not judging these people, but you can, you can make, you can make the, the analogy. It's not that hard to connect the dots here while another group of people are being written out of the script. That's all happening.
1: One of the things that Egan brings up in that interview, not to go back to it or harp on it, is uh, that the purpose of World Wars was more of a depopulation and to destroy culture.
0: To destroy culture. Absolutely. You go back to, I was looking at this, I think it was either yesterday or today. And I think it was yesterday. And the amount of people that died in World War One, if you can believe the statistics, is off the charts. Yeah, millions. 60 plus million. Think about that. And they destroy all the grand Tartarian architecture. Yep. They're able to redraw the map of Europe. I mean, horrible. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, we didn't do enough. Let's do it again in World War II, and let's bring the communists in this time. Right. So
1: I think now we've got some kind of soft depopulation going on with what you're talking about. It's, it's more like World War, World War III is not acceptable anymore.
0: No, it's well, no, you know, siloed weapons for a quiet war, right? Right. Right. That's, I mean, that's where where we've been for a long time. And with with, whether it's plagues or uh, our food or our air or uh, our despicable entertainment, uh, the programming that unfortunately a lot of us have gone through and just sort of summarily bought into, uh, and the programs are all over the place, man. And if if you, if you, if you want to, Really, be free. Get free. You've got to. You've got to deprogram your programming, and then once you deprogram your programming and kind of get back to baseline, and start to see where things are at. Then you can begin to speak truth to power. You can't do it unless you deprogram the programming. We all yeah, have but programs. It,
2: but the the trick here is it's we're dealing with this AI virus, and the deeper in we we go, and I think at some point it already happened. And there was like an event horizon with this whole AI experience, and uh, where it has a sentience, and and therefore it's almost like that whole D wave thing, but not, where it's it hit its it hit its event horizon, and then it was able to it is able to move in and out of time constructs.
0: That's a really interesting concept, and one that I. I you know could actually uh buy into when when do you think that event horizon was do you have do you have a
2: I have no idea when but I get a in my lifetime things have changed so at some point during this last you know I, I don't know when but there was a point where and I think anyone in, around our age can can pull up to this. or something has changed.
0: Mm-hmm. And I,
2: I don't I can't pinpoint when, but that's something I'm now starting to see is I think that the AI did hit that that point where everything it it hit that event horizon and now everything's changed. And now we're dealing with it in a kind of viral way, especially when we start looking at smart dust and of course what the hell you know with the 5g it's not about faster this or faster that we know this uh and and the uh, internet of things and all this i think and the the actual robert the Tolpa aspect of the internet and of the cloud where people are also just willingly throwing themselves into it more people are online than they're offline
3: yeah yeah. So,
2: so it's just this constant uh it's feeding it's like its own it's like a, a a thing but i believe it's here already and when i say non-human that's what i'm talking about
0: yeah that's really interesting so um probably likely related to cern that would be my guess
2: it, uh, Yeah, i mean that would be logical right
0: mm-hmm, yeah there's there's um one of my favorite movies of all time is rollerball with James Kahn. Um and I, I remember I love it because it is like the height of stylized 70s sort of, you know, sci fi future fashion and architecture. And James Kahn, you know, is always rolling around in these really cool pantsuits, right? So one of the things that happens to Rollerball is he he's like um He's like the Tom Brady of the future, and he's so big, so iconic, and everything's run by corporations. And corporations can determine where you work, where you live. You know, it's this kind of corporate, you know, sort of like the you know, kind of a Chinese version of corporatocracy, corporate control. Like people get – go ahead.
1: It's the Shadowrun Arcology, if you ever played Shadowrun. Uh, okay, what is that? The, the corporate – uh, corporations are basically small – countries small governments
0: that's right in that's and of right. themselves yeah right so what happens is that james Kahn, who, who plays kind of a brute um is getting kind of fed they want him to retire and because he's getting too powerful and he doesn't want to retire and he wants to know who's asking him to retire and he, he eventually meets all of these challenges and tests and he goes to switzerland to basically have a one-on-one with the computer that's running the world. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, uh, CERN uh, is in both France and Switzerland, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct,
0: and Belgium too, I think. I think it's like on three states, three countries rather. So, to your point, and that's not the only movie which has had this massive supercomputer kind of running things but in your definition of it it's more than that it's it's a thing right it's an actual thing that can that can manipulate reality that's what you're really talking about right nish
2: yes but it's a thing but it is like a hive thing with tentacles everywhere
0: So let me ask you a question then, because I actually have had kind of visions of this in some ways. Um, Do you see like the quote unquote leaders of the world, like having a relationship with this thing?
2: Yes, absolutely. I think it's trickled down. I think it started at the top of the control grid. So at the capstone and it's worked its way down. And now I'm seeing personally in my daily life, i am starting to encounter what i think is ground level the folk uh infiltration of what i'm i'm calling it a viral something or other but it's you're getting the context of where it's coming from Mm -hmm. as i speak Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it started at the top and moved down
0: interesting well that really gets into a lot of the capricorn stuff too and you know at the top of the pyramid the third eye yeah, because that's what Capricorn represents, and and I've been you know sort of tracking this as well over the last year. Earlier in the year, there was a consortium of one hundred, I think, eighty five of the top uh, you know, Fortune two hundred companies, and they all held a roundtable and they all came together and held hands and sang Kumbaya and mm-hmm. said, "We're going to put people over profits," and that's bullshit. Yeah, well,
2: I mean, when they started calling companies. Entities and giving them human rights. We knew this was bad
0: so what they're trying to do now is position themselves as Being the good guys, you know warm caring. You want to trust us. Yeah, and and this and 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 to that end they're doing everything in their power to um, Play the Pied Piper to the Millennials and the post-Millennials which are Gen Z and they use characters and figures like uh, Megan Rapinoe and mm-hmm. and Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James, whoever else they want to, you know, dangle out in front of the masses and say, okay, they represent us at a corporate level, and that's what Colin Kaepernick does. He represents Nike. I'm uh, sorry, um, LeBron James. LeBron James is a Capricorn, and and uh, born same day as Tiger Woods, by the way. And
2: and so that that is no more that is no different than throwing on a humanoid mask over a robot and naming it Sophia.
0: Yeah, so, I, so uh, yeah. that it's
2: relatable.
0: Yeah, and you know what's really interesting about that too is that um, LeBron has a son, Bronny, and he play he plays
2: basketball.
0: <laughs> he plays basketball at um, at this high at this high school in uh, Southern California. Uh, very very nice high school, by the way, Redlands or something like that. Anyway, uh, when he watches his son, he goes way over the top. Like, 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 if I, as a parent, I, I'm fucking embarrassed watching him. Like, way over the top when his kid does something. So it's almost like, you know, he has these moments where he doesn't have to be Sophia or the robot, and it's like way too much. Like, it's almost like in that setting he can overcompensate for the other things that he has to do. It's kind of odd. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you know. Um we're we're coming up on almost two and a half hours. I wanted to uh get the twelve twenty-one stuff in before we wrapped, if we could.
0: Twelve twenty-one be- of this year, of this, this coming year.
1: year. Apparently there's a uh, several alignments happening on that mm-hmm. day.
0: Right. Let me let me go into my um my charts here. And I've just been focusing focusing on these eclipses.
2: Which are Indeed. major, but there are people, the Woo engine is turning on this 1221 already.
0: So how many days has it been from 1221.12 to 1221.20? Like, Jerry, can you, like, they have that, that program that lets you, um, on Looking yeah. up right now.
1: Yeah. It's Jupiter Saturn conjunction,
0: I think. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> that's real. This is really funny. So what I did is I. This is really strange. So I don't always create new charts. I'll go through my series of charts. If there's somebody whose chart I don't I don't want, or I'm not going to use. I'll just kind of like you know, wipe them out and do a new chart. And I picked this one person and their birth date is December 21st.
1: (laughs) Synchro. I need my bell. Ding. So there's uh, a 2,922 days.
0: 2,922. It's 1122. 33. Interesting. Wow. Numerically that's pretty potent. All right. Let's set a, let's do a sunrise chart.
1: But, yeah, <clears throat> I can totally see how it's uh, the end of that cycle, of the, the 2012 cycle, just like the, Trump's election was the end of the 9-11 cycle. Absolutely. 11
0: yeah. Exactly. So I took New York City here.
1: New
3: York so, City.
0: Yeah, as the sun rises over the great <laughs> United States of America, 7 a.m. So we have a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in the sign of Aquarius. So this would be oh, that's interesting because they're conjunct and they're really tight, like 426 and 427, or 4026 and 4027. This is interesting. It's actually the first time I looked at this chart. And it's happening on this day. So technically speaking, right, Aquarius represents the new age. It represents the hope of this kind of new, new dawn—it's always been kind of uh, uh, connected to that because of the procession of the equinoxes and moving out of the age of Aquarius into the age of—sorry, the age of Pisces and the Aquarius. So this is interesting that this conjunction is happening uh, on that day, and um, there's also another exact conjunction, and that is um, Sun uh uh the sun and mercury which are at zero capricorn and that's right on of course the uh the solstice right the winter solstice which is always an interesting time right and and then we have the i just i just chose this time for the ascendant which is a 25 sag and that's that's conjunct the galactic center mm-hmm. so there are some very interesting things here with this chart uh those two tight conjunctions with uh Moon am Sat- sorry, Jupiter, Saturn and Sun Mercury. And then um there are some squares uh with uh moon sun. What else? Mars, Mars Square. This Mars this, again, this is our friend, right? Um the Mars and Aries still hanging around. And the thing that Mars is going to be doing from basically election day on, if we have an election, is squaring Pluto. And I and to me, you know, Mars Pluto squares really typify violence. Yeah. Like violence and murder, and especially in the sign of Aries.
2: Yeah, that's rough. That's seriously rough.
0: So I mean, I could I could, you know, kind of if I wanted to without you know, just looking at this now, if I wanted to make some kind of calculated interpretation is that this would be a very extreme time of something that could be um, potentially quite brutal in some ways, but also something that could be quite interesting and that there would be the potential for a new beginning. Now the one thing that I will say here is that And this this has been going on and kind of in the back of my mind. And this has been connected to sort of what we've been brewing is the the rise of the emergence of the Antichrist. And this is a day, to me, that could kind of speak to that in some ways. Because clearly there's a crisis with Mars-Pluto, and a crisis has been ongoing for a while. And then you have this kind of harbinger of hope with this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. And then perhaps this personification with the sun at zero Capricorn. Like somebody who comes in and, you know, saves the day or puts out the fire, right? Like this could be a time where a fire is put out. But by who and by what? That would be my question here. Because I do feel like that, that that is a script that in some ways either has to play out via a personage or it has to play out via um, an energy that is inhabited by a lot of people. So that's my quick take on this, on this day. But it also feels like there is some potential for something new. You just have to watch out who uh, the shepherd is that, 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 that can kind of lead us into that new place. Hopefully,
1: it won't be Bernie Sanders.
0: Have you seen this movie? On, uh, the, I, 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 lo- I love Bernie, uh, but I don't love Bernie either. Combs his hair with a balloon. I have, I, so I have a dear, I have a dear friend, you know, who, who is an Aquarian. She so wants to experience utopia on Earth before she dies, and she's in her seventies. And I keep giving her shit about it. She says, what about Bernie Sanders? And I'm like, you have be kidding me. He's never worked a day in his life. But he's extremely rich. And then she says, what do you mean? He's done community organizing. <laughs> that's, that's,
1: <laughs> that's just code for commie.
0: You proved my point.
2: Oh, my goodness. The cast. The cast is wide. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ship a ship of, ship of fools man
2: i know cue the heart album the thing i've
1: been wondering though <laughs> lately is that the position we find ourselves in is it is it just the result of trying to make things better and i, I always liked the, i think of it as uh do you remember the movie contact with jodie yes. foster yes do you remember when they they changed the design of the seat because it was safer Oh, and, yes, and it was all fucked up, and and once it broke free from their changes, everything was smooth and calm. Right, that's kind of how I see what God. the situation we're in now is. That yeah, there have been so many attempts to make things better and safer and whatnot that we're just at that point where it's about to break off, and everything's
0: going to be smooth and calm. God, that 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 is that is a really good analogy. I can see that. I could totally see that. Yeah, there is there is this kind of um, this overreach <clears throat> to um, create some weird kind of order and perfection
3: that is just unnatural. Totally unnatural.
2: I feel like we've just gone up the top when you're getting on a roller coaster in that first rise and you stop and it kind of goes back a little. Uh, yeah. And you know that you can't get out now, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so it's like that fear, but you move forward. I always throw my hands up; I'm like, I just go with it. But has yeah. there
0: ever, has has there ever been a roller coaster where you're waiting in line and you're actually kind of scared? Like, you ever you ever gone on one of those? Every yes, time, yes,
2: I have stepped out of line though when I was little. Like, I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> And then come back around. Like I have to mentally sometimes. I have a terrible fear of fear of heights. Oh wow! So every time I do anything with heights, that's added in there. But I also like the exhilaration aspect, the endorphins. So I, you know, I always end up doing it. But that moment is always so profound to me at the very first, and then it goes so fast, and it's usually so fun, and then it's over. You know, it just boom but that that moment that one moment
0: mm-hmm. there there's there, there's this ride it's, it's it's somewhere at a theme park in Florida and people it's like a two people and they're they're put in this thing like a slingshot have you ever seen this thing and they get yes, guy, yes i have and all the the videos oh, on yes. youtube where they're passing out <laughs> oh, yes. Nice. I must have spent at least two hours watching that these pass out videos. Me too. It's <laughs> hilarious.
1: I can't believe that people would pass out from it. It's like, wow, what's going on? and
0: then they deny
1: that they pass out. Right. <laughs> 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 it's pretty oh, funny. That's awesome. And it's more usually men that
0: do it than the women. Uh, yeah, it's true. I've seen a few women, but I've seen, I've seen men. And and their faces just before they pass
1: out. (laughs) I'll try try Uh to put some
0: of those in the show notes because they're pretty funny. (laughs) I mean, that's good humor, right? I mean, mean, we're laughing a little bit at other people's expense, but I'm sure, you know, they're okay. Yeah, that is good
2: humor. Yeah, I mean, it's sad we even have to say that, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's where we are. Yeah. All yeah. right,
1: well, I think we should probably wrap up around two and a half hours. Okay. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for doing this.
0: Shit, yes. man. I'm just glad you're here to do
1: it. I'm glad yes. I'm here, too. <laughs> we, 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 we were all very concerned about you. I know. Thank you so much. Appreciate all the... Yeah. Major
2: vigil. Yeah, for Jerry yeah, going yeah. out everywhere.
0: Don't you appreciate a Yeah.
2: Oh, I did. I always did. His Tourette's. <laughs> I could
0: go into the the morticious
2: side of this. <laughs> I'm, be, I'm,
1: be, I'm better now. <laughs> this is I, a new improved Jerry. How do we know this is really? How do we know this is really Jerry though?
2: You that's know? a discussion right now.
1: It's funny. My sister uh, for Christmas. <laughs> my sister has a print shop in Chicago, and she gave me a shirt that says Jerry Two Point Oh.
0: Oh, there we go.
2: It's beyond Two Point Oh, baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different theory So, what about all this into the show stuff? Like where people can find you and plugging this and that? What's going on?
0: Yeah, robertphoenix.com. I have a website. I've got to revamp it, update it. Um, but it's there. And I got a lot of articles there. And some of them are really pretty evergreen. And you might get a kick out of them. I post videos there. The YouTube channels where I do a lot of my work uh, 15 minutes of flame. Over on YouTube, you can find that link on my web on my website. And uh, Friday forecast, I'm going to have Masaki Miyagawa on cool. uh, on Friday, and we've got we've got a few little Gemini tricks up our sleeve
3: Inside for the today. Friday
0: for the Friday show. And, and if you guys haven't in uh, the chat or watching this, you haven't discovered Masaki's work. You should really check it out. Interesting yes. very interesting. Yes, cat. you know, super high level uh orgone and radionics and all kinds of stuff yes and ver- very smart guy and and then um sunday night i do sunday night Astro live which is me kind of uh tripping the light fantastic with astrology for a couple hours great show and that's it sweet
1: sweet well thank you thank you robert thanks nish thank you everyone for listening uh next week we'll back to Knox and we have is it nicole frolic I don't know, I, 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 Yeah, Nicole Frolic, who is the life coach,
0: psychic person.
1: I don't know, I don't know.
0: Well, you'll find more about Nicole next week. I, I will, you... I will, when I write her bio. <laughs> we,
2: we will okay. know, yes. And it's going to be good, no matter what, it's going right. to be good.
0: Yeah, it's thank be you. Good. Yeah. Thank you, guys, I really appreciate it. It's been our pleasure. Thank you, thank Robert, you so it's
2: always a pleasure.
1: And thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one.
2: Bye.